That's right. It's Banter of Truth. Banter of Truth, just for our all-access family. Glad you guys are subscribed and tuning in. And Jimmy's gone, so you know who we brought on. Who do we bring on? Krista McDonough. Krista McDonough, she's back. <laughs> this is super fun. We like having Krista on because uh, she understands us. You get us. I do. Yeah, so it's like we don't have to pretend, you know. We have somebody else on here like Nick Batzig or like some <laughs> Presbyterian who's really uptight. You know, we got to be super <laughs> a certain way. But uh, with you, we can just be ourselves, and that's super fun. Somebody, so. Yeah, somebody made that comment. They're like, I, yeah, Krista, she can handle their silliness, right? Yeah. On Twitter, I saw that. Yeah, I can, I can. Yeah. I've been working with you guys long enough. Yeah, you, you can, you can <laughs> handle immune. the whole D&D crowd at the conferences <laughs> and everything, so... I'm immune. And you're, yeah, you're, your husband's a, he's a goof in a different way, but he's definitely a goof. He can be. Yeah. I don't yeah. think people know that your husband's a goof. No, I think people are- hang, they, hang with him. Yeah, they're surprised to find that out. But yeah, he has a very dry sense of humor. Yeah, he does. And it takes a while to, sometimes people think he's actually serious, <laughs> and then I have to yell at him. <laughs> but no. So, so yeah. uh, all right, so this is going to drop- uh, in December, what uh, what are you guys doing for Christmas? Are you guys have plans? You know, I kind of don't know what exactly we're doing for Christmas yet. Well, I, we, Ian will be home, right? He is home actually now, okay, which is great. So yeah, he finished up his first term, and he's home. He got home before Thanksgiving, and he'll be home until January. They oh, do wow. it a little different, yeah. Kind of. What kind of half baked college is he going to? They it's like a party school. No, mm, sounds like but, a party school. I mean, school. well, every school probably yeah, has an element of that. But um, no, they do quarters. Can you say so what school he goes to? I, I probably yeah, he goes to DePaul Ooh, University well. in mm-hmm. Chicago. Smart guy. So mm-hmm. yeah. DePaul University in Chicago. In Chicago. I know. I have to say that because my neighbor said, "Is it DePaul or DePaul?" Yeah. You know, so because we were just shouting across the street. So <laughs> yeah, Ian's a good guy. We're um. I wanted to have you on to talk about something that um, comes up a, a fair bit. It, and it, it's come up in, in my ministry. I know it comes up in your counseling mm-hmm. uh, with people. But um, I, I hear a lot. We, we talk a lot about forgiveness and forgiving others, uh, asking for forgiveness. But one of the things that has come up over the years is the idea of forgiving yourself. Mm-hmm. And... I know it, when it's come up, there I find certain people that absolutely reject the notion that you can forgive yourself or need to forgive yourself. Um, I've heard people say it's just that's just a bunch of self-help hooey. And even I, I can think back uh, to the '90s in particular when I, I had that same attitude that it you know it, it it didn't sound right like where do i see forgiving yourself in the bible i don't see that mm-hmm. phrase anywhere in the bible therefore the concept must be totally uh, illegitimate so um in in with your understanding your background you know uh what are people looking for or what are people getting at when they talk about the need to forgive themselves well i think part of it if we're st- strictly talking from maybe a secular mm-hmm. viewpoint or you know in terms of like what I might experience in a counseling session or something like that, there is an element where we do kind of need to move on Mm -hmm. from something. So let's say we made some kind of mistake, we hurt somebody, you know, whatever it might be. If if we can't move on from it, and if we want to use the phrase forgiving ourselves, if we can't forgive ourselves for whatever that is, we just get stuck. You know, we, we get stuck either beating ourselves up over it or you know we become ineffective 
potentially. Maybe it leads to depression and we, we just get stuck. We it's it's like we're in, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the seventies quicksand. Yeah. You know, like you're just kind of you can't move, you can't get out of it. And so I do think there is an element of kind of coming to grips with mistakes we've made, how we've maybe wronged people. Um in a counseling session, even with non-believers, you know, I'll pull out that passage from scripture and I'll, you know, I'll give some caveats that I'm not trying to push right. my faith on them this or anything. This is ancient wisdom. That's right. all this is. But like, it's just, got, right. It's kind of like a proverb where every, you know, it's kind of acceptable stuff like mm-hmm. across the board. But that idea that if at all possible, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people, yeah. right? I love that because if it's possible, sometimes it isn't. Um, as much as it depends on you, meaning it doesn't all depend on you, only some of it does but be at peace with people. So I think that speaks to that a little bit, that if we are making that effort to be at peace with people, if we've apologized, let's say, when we've done them wrong, whether or not they actually forgive us, we don't have any control over that, but we can move on and feel like, okay, I've done everything that I can. I can't really do any more. I could sit here and stew about this, but for what? To what end? It's not going to really accomplish anything. So... I think that's part of it, maybe, yeah, where people sure. are coming from, and I think you can apply that even to non-believers. Like I, you know, like I said, I would, I would describe that to somebody in a counseling office. You know, yeah, move. You said it's, it's like moving on. Yeah, and I think about, and, and it'd be interesting to know, you know, how, you know, is there a difference? Because I'm very familiar with how the Bible uh, describes or unpacks uh, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I can define it biblically, and I'm curious, like, you know, what. The world, you know, how the world unpacks that. But the idea, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. But um, I would imagine that in both cases, you know, when you forgive somebody, you stop punishing them. Mm. When you forgive somebody, you're no longer charging them. You're no longer holding it against them. And so a lot of us, and I can think about my own sins in my own life from a long time ago and from this week, Mm -hmm. where I'm inclined to punish myself and just keep just wallow in like this mental aff- self-affliction. Right. And that sounds like also what you're talking about. Like you got to move on and stop, you know, if you've done what you can to mm-hmm. remedy the situation, if you've done your part, then you need to be able to move past punishing yourself and charging yourself with it. It doesn't mean that you're not guilty of what happened. Absolutely. But you don't have to constantly carry that guilt with you if you've done what you can for um, restitution mm-hmm. or, uh, or uh, repentance in, in the case of a Christian, which is a part of restitution. Right. Um, yeah. So what? So in the world, it, when the world talks about forgiveness, uh, when counselors talk about forgiveness, um, how how would how does how what's the conception of that? Because we would think of it in in those terms, right? No longer charging another, holding it against them, holding it over them. Uh, what about the world? I think it would be similar. Pretty similar. I Well, at least that's how I would explain it. But then again, you know, I'm coming from that Christian sure. perspective and I could speak to it in more generic terms. But yeah, I kind of I kind of think so. Um, I suppose some people might look at it like, well, I'll forgive you if you pay me back somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, you know, like what you were talking about, restitution possibly. Um, or did they earn forgiveness back? That that actually can be a challenging thing. Like right. if there's been some type of betrayal in a relationship and earning trust back, yeah, that is that's tricky. You know, um, even you know, even in a Christian, like let's say with a Christian couple, there is a time where yeah, the other person doesn't trust 
maybe their spouse, let's yeah. say. And frankly, they shouldn't. Right. You know, they there needs to be a time that has to be built back up. And and sometimes people want to rush through that. You know, mm. the if I can call it the offending spouse, yep. wants that to hurry up because it's uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. You know, and... And so, you know, I'll even talk about that, you know, with non-believing people that those kinds of things take time and you do kind of have to earn it back. Um, I've heard people say things like, you know, you shouldn't have to ask for forgiveness um, because, you know, <sighs> Christ forgave us without us asking. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. I don't agree with that. We're not, we're not God. You don't believe in the <laughs> love means never having to say you're sorry. No, I don't. No, that's dumb. That is dumb. If you say that, stop saying that people. Yeah. That is, you're, you're say being you're dumb. sorry. Yeah. That, you know what? That's a biblical thing. <laughs> say you're sorry. I'm really sorry. I did a bad thing. Yep. And you know what else I did? I believe the stupid thing about never having to say that to you. I'm sorry for that too. Um, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. All right. Now it's not, it, it, they're godly men and women that fall on both sides of this. So you're not going to get in trouble, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, there are some people who believe that you do not have to, and some would say you really can't, but let's just say you do not have to extend forgiveness unless the person is repentant. Um, they point to the reality that God does not forgive anyone until they're repentant. That's mm -hmm. a part of it. There's a condition there. And therefore, you do not have to forgive somebody if they aren't repentant. Is that your position? Or do you think, no, you can you can extend forgiveness even if they're not repentant? Um. Wow. That's an interesting... Hmm. Pick yeah. a side, choose now, I will and you'll stand there forever. Yeah, because it'll be immortalized <laughs> on Banter of Truth. Um, yeah, I think ideally, yeah, it would be great if someone acknowledged that they wronged you. However, again, from a counseling perspective, what if that's, that person has died mm -hmm. and they can't ask, ask you to forgive them because they're dead? you know, or they've walked out on you and or whatever. So there's an element, I think, of forgiveness that I help people to walk through that frees them. Yeah. You know, and I think that's important though too. So is it is it sort of an incomplete forgiveness? Yeah, probably. It's not, it's certainly not perfect, but I think there is value in people thinking about like, can I release this yeah. for myself so that I don't become embittered and just, you know, ruminating on this over and over and over again? How can I do that? And there's a, you know, there's ways to do that. There's techniques to do that where you like, it's as if you're writing a letter to somebody, sure. you know, and, and they may not, they may still be alive, but you may not send it, right. you know, it, that's what we call it, a do not send letter, you know, so you write it out as if you were going to send it, but you don't because then you just get it out. You get out what you need to say to that person. You're forced to articulate what you're carrying right. in your mind, in your heart. Because here's another example. They're, that person may still be around, but maybe they're not safe right. to be around. Yeah. But yet you still need to be able to move on. And so confronting them, like if it was an abusive situation or something like that, is not smart. It's actually dangerous. Yeah. So yeah, ideally that person is going to ask to be forgiven. They're going to be repentant. But that's not always going to be the case. And so then we have to decide, am I, am I going to let this go? Am I going to move on? It doesn't mean that I'm going to go back for more. Right. But are you going to kind of free yourself from, you know, just kind of being enslaved yeah. to being angry or hurt? I like the, I like, first of all, I love the nuance um, because most, most of these like practical issues are 
more complicated than a lot of people think. And that's why when people take a position, this is my position. And uh, you don't have to extend or you don't extend forgiveness unless they are repentant. And if they aren't, like, okay, well, um, you know, perhaps they've died. Like, well, how can you forgive a dead person? Well, because you can still, in your mind and in your heart, charge them with the crime. You can still hold it against them. So you still have the capacity, right, to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when people take that position, because um, I'm, I'm hesitant to answer the question, right? Like, which position do you take? That's why I like putting you on the spot. <laughs> Thanks uh, so much. <laughs> because, like, okay, even if you don't forgive them, you still have to love your enemy. Right. So that means your heart towards them needs to be something different than what it is right now, probably. Right. So, yeah, I, 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 I tend to think, like, I think you can, in horizontal relationships, forgive people without them being repentant though they should be repentant and like you said that is ideal um but even if you can't you've you've got to do something with that burden Mm -hmm. and of course you know god takes that burden but how do you process it what do you deal with how do you deal with it and i think that uh yeah i I like what you said um you it because it will be it it can become and it does for a lot of people become a a, a poison oh yeah just embitters the soul absolutely i mean even just as you were talking i was thinking about jesus saying father forgive them for they know not what they do yeah i mean there he is hanging on the cross asking the father to forgive these people that are hating him and think about what he's actually saying there i think because i think that's a really interesting passage forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them in light of their ignorance. Mm-hmm. Now, since when does God forgive us because of our ignorance? Like you read Romans, that's that's not the case, right? right? And because in a sense, you know, nobody's ignorant of our sin, but uh, but there there has to be a sense in which there is an, a, a, a mercy shown, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for people who just don't know what they're doing. This does not mean that, you know, People are going to heaven even though they don't believe in Jesus right. because they're ignorant. That's not the idea. But there's something there in that passage that I find really interesting. Well, or even like I've not, I've, I've not studied that in, in this sense at all, but is he saying it in the sense of forgive them? They don't realize they're crucifying the son of God. You know what I mean? They think they're just crucifying some dude, you yeah. know, but, but they don't realize the gravity mm-hmm. of, of the situation. And yeah, it is a really interesting thing. So, so okay, so if we're going back to this idea of, of forgiving ourselves, then we, we must be talking about, you know, being able to move on from, from some kind of self-inflicted pain, mm-hmm. right? So forgiving somebody else is one thing, but forgiving ourselves, there's self-inflicted pain that we are constantly holding over ourselves. Uh, you know, when, when people start talking, I can't forgive myself, oftentimes others have forgiven them. I've heard Christians talk about this. I know God's forgiven me, right. but I cannot forgive myself. So, um, like, I, I, I get the basic idea that there's a sense in which you have to be able to let go of this burden that that you have been carrying. And I want to talk about how this squares biblically a little bit more thoroughly, but I, I also wanted to ask you, are there ways in which you think um, forgiving yourself can be misused, misapplied, or go go wrong? Well, sure. I mean, if somebody's looking for a way to excuse their bad behavior, you know, well, I've, I've forgiven myself, mm-hmm. you know, and they haven't really come to grips with the seriousness of what they've done, yeah. right? I mean, I remember there were some, we knew some folks and they they were doing some things that didn't seem to really comport with what they claim to believe 
And they're thinking, well, well, we haven't been convicted of that yet. Uh, and it was like, hmm, okay. So that makes it okay? <laughs> right. Just because you haven't been convicted of that yet? You know, it's just, so it sort of feels like that, right? You know, that, well, I, I've forgiven myself already for that. You know, kind of a glossing over yeah. of it rather than really grappling with, you know, what have I actually done here? And, you know, some things are more serious than others. Um, I kind of, again, as we've been talking, it sort of makes me think of the 12 steps, you know, that I don't, and I don't have them all memorized, but making amends yeah. is, I believe, step nine. That's a huge portion. And it there's a reason why it's number nine. Yeah. Like it's way down on the list. You know, you've got a lot of self-reflection inventory exactly you got to do all that stuff right and before you have any business going to the people that you know kind of dealt with you when when you were at your worst in a sense right so i think about that 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 it's a process so some people might want to make that step two (laughs) you know forgiving myself um and yeah they use it to justify what they're doing you know so that can be problematic yeah i've seen that as well I've, i've 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 seen people well i've probably done it you know, myself, where you're like, eh, God's forgiven me. I don't really need to, I'm not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deal with it. I, I think it can be used as a, as a way of, of avoiding the consequences of our actions. And I actually, I actually read an article. And when I say read, I mean skimmed. Uh, I, I read this article and uh, from a counselor that was saying that oftentimes the idea of forgiving yourself goes wrong because it is... It is embraced uh, too early or improperly or something like that. Uh, and the consequence of, of, of misusing it is that you really don't have any empathy for the people that you've hurt. Mm-hmm. It's a way of disengaging from the damage that you've done. And you're like, well, I've forgiven myself. I'm ready to move on. When you haven't even tried to make things right, you haven't you know, apologized or confessed or repented. So I can see it working out that way too. I mean, right. it's like anything. It's it's like Paul in Romans six, right? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Absolutely. Because that's what people were saying. A lot of people would argue the those that were, you know, um, antinomian mm-hmm. would argue like, listen, you know how God's glorified? He's really glorified in forgiving our sins. So if we really want to glorify God, we can continue in sin, right? Because He just He forgives. We don't need to worry about it. And you and you get hints of that in certain branches of uh, or certain streams of the Christian faith, evangelicals, mm-hmm. where they'll kind of like, hey man, you don't need to really don't need to worry about it, you know. And and there are, there are some guys that would like, hey, go. I mean, some, some I've actually heard some you know kind of encourage it. Yeah, and and there, there's a sense in which I think there is a, a a safe sense in which like Luther talked about it. Uh, I can't remember the quote, but I think some of you guys, some of you listeners might might know what this is. And if you do, hit us up on on Twitter. Um, but something like when the devil is 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 accusing you of being a sinner, go ahead and sin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and sin a little bit. Let them know like God's forgiven my sins. And I, I, I genuinely don't think Luther isn't calling for people to, you know, cast off God's law as much as he's saying, you know, embrace the grace of God right. and, and, and live in that reality. But I do see people and, uh, and I've done it myself where you're like, eh, God forgives. And uh, even though I wouldn't say I can sin because God's glory, glorified in forgiving my sins, therefore his law doesn't matter. But I have in the midst of temptation when I've collapsed and given into it, have said, he'll forgive me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go. It's kind of like that. Well, presuming on his grace in yeah. a sense, right? Yeah. And we, I mean, shoot, we've all done that. If we're honest, I know yeah. I have. And um, I don't want to. And I guess too, I'm thinking while theoretically, 
I think it's it's kind of true that if we truly are gods, if we are his elect, there really isn't anything we can do to make him love us more or less. Or less, yeah. You right. know, because it's on him. He's This is what he's chosen to do. So in a sense, it's true. Like we could go a little nuts. And if he's decided he's going to love us, that's we're golden, right? Yeah. But if we really understood what it cost him, what that means, how how incredibly lavish that is, yeah. why would we want to? Yeah, you wouldn't. Exactly. So we we don't, pe- so people who try to make that argument, I think, really have a shallow, likely a shallow yeah. understanding of the enormity, enormity of God's grace. I can't speak. Even the confessions <laughs> talk about this, right? The confessions talk about that, uh, that we can wind up in a backslidden state mm-hmm. that you know um that our our spiritual condition right not our standing before god but our spiritual condition our experience our communion with god can come into disrepair and uh and we can we can get so turned in on ourselves and and dive so headlong into sin that uh that you can barely even see or maybe not even see uh, that we are regenerate. And in these cases, we lose assurance, which is appropriate and all these things. But um, that doesn't mean that God's love uh, has waned. You don't lose that. You can't, you can't, you mean, you can lose your grip on God's love, but he, his grip never right. loses you. Well, it reminds me of Second Peter uh, 1. Oh, we're going scripture now. Yeah. Oh, go, go. I'm pulling it out. Um, no, where he, you know, where he's listing all these qualities mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, if you don't have these, um, or if you're, they're yours and they are increasing because they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful, and whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Yeah. So it's not about because you're not trying hard enough or whatever. It's you've forgotten the gospel. You've forgotten the truth. You've forgotten the joy of your salvation. And so, Yeah. I, How many times does scripture like make that point? Like, do not forget, mm-hmm. right? Do I mean even even in the law, right? Uh, remember the Sabbath day, right? Re- remember the Sabbath day, um, and, and and when the law is given, there's a lot of remember. Don't forget, like uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. They just left. They don't really mm-hmm. need the reminder, do they? But right. they do. <laughs> but yeah, they do. I, I just redeemed you, so uh, so 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 you can rest because I am your saving God. And it's why we do the Lord's Supper, right? right? It, it it is. Hey, everybody! It is a memorial. It is not only a memorial, but it is a memorial. You're supposed to remember Christ's sacrifice. And I I, I make this point a lot during the Lord's Supper, but I like that He said, "Hey." Uh, I'm going to die, and I want you to remember this. I want you to do this often in remembrance of me, like because because the implication is you will forget, mm-hmm. and we do. Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. Yeah, I mean, and it's like we need these constant gospel reminders. We need to preach to ourselves. We need to preach to one another, and we, of course, we need to preach to the world. Well, and I love the way you, in particular, set up communion when we do it weekly at Redeemer. Um, that's very different from other churches that I've been in is you don't encourage people to approach this like really solemnly and you know like with your head hanging low kind of a thing not that not that we don't acknowledge our sin but you often will say like if you don't think you deserve this cuz you've really screwed up this week no this is exactly when you need it 
because you need to be reminded again that your sins have been cleansed. They have been forgiven. So come, eat, drink. Even and repentance be is supposed to lead to joy. Mm-hmm. It's a, it like so so yeah. I mean, you may begin to walk forward, you know, and your head may start off down, right? Because right. you're feeling the weight of your sins. But you, if you know that you have redemption in Christ, if you know that you're His, then you, by the time you're done, you should you should be lifting your head in your hands, like you should be. Right. You should be rejoicing. So, uh, so <clears throat> how do we let, let's sort of square this idea of forgiving yourself? with scripture um, a little bit more clearly. Now, maybe the language isn't used in scripture. I don't right. find it anywhere. No. Forgive yourself. You know, uh, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Right. right. I find that. Right. Forgive one another because you have been forgiven. I see that. I see all kinds of commands to forgive, but I never see a command to forgive ourselves. So biblically and theologically, how, what are some ways that we can begin to think through this that make sense of it in a biblical way. And I'm not looking to simply justify a popular fad. I'm trying to make sense of this. So like we're calling it forgiving yourself. Everybody calls it forgiving yourself. But what we're talking about is how do you move into this, this spiritual, mental, emotional space where you uh, are able to move on and stop condemning yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to make that distinction that yeah we don't have the power to grant ourselves forgiveness right we we need to be forgiven but yet i think we all can think of people that we know that the fact that they're hanging on to like you said i just can't forgive myself of this it's actually impeding their christian growth it's impeding their witness it's i mean in some cases are they even saved i don't right. know you know has the gospel done its work in them um so there's that element of that. So in terms of forgiving yourself or myself, it's more agreeing with God yeah. that we're forgiven. Yeah. Like maybe that's the way to think about it. Don't get hung up on the semantics, but but we're agreeing with God that we've been forgiven. And one thing that I was reminded of, um, I wasn't there to hear it, but at Leadership Lab, Kevin, my husband, did a... a talk on having a clean conscience. Mm -hmm. And the author of Hebrews 9, or in Hebrews 9, the author of Hebrews pointed that out, that, that, you know, Christ was the high priest, that, you know, before animals were offered as sacrifices, but now he is the one and final sacrifice. But at the end of that, in verse 14, um, let's see, where should I pick it up? How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience Mm -hmm. from dead works to serve the living God. I love that phrase, purify our conscience. That's probably the closest thing to forgiving yourself, I'm doing the air quotes, that we're gonna see maybe in scripture. Yeah. Um, Now we didn't, he's not saying we purified our own consciences, nobody's Mm. trying to make that claim, but we forget that our consciences have been purified and it's really important because Here's here's where the forgiving yourself issue comes in. If we understand that we're a sinner, that we're in need of forgiveness, that Christ died for us, took our sin, traded us his righteousness, but yet we don't like we're not connecting with that clean conscience, we're still taking on the sin identity then. Yeah. And here's the danger of that. We tend to think like, well, if that's who I am, then I might as well act like who I am. Yeah, there's a consequence for believing right. the wrong thing. Right. So, you know, yeah, if it's just like, well, 
I have trouble with alcohol, so I might as well just drink because this is who I am. Yeah. And it's like, no, Jesus didn't come and die and rise again so you could just settle for that. You know, no, we're not going to have glory here. It's, this isn't right. a theology of glory, but yet we can experience change. We can work toward change. And and the first step in that is understanding our conscience has been cleared. Yeah. We are not guilty anymore. It's it it is because when you can think about it in a sane way, right? If 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 you're, if I'm not dealing with it myself, or maybe if I have to tell myself this, but you're when somebody says like, "Listen, I know God's free. I, I I get it. I get it. You, some I hear you, Krista, telling me about the gospel, telling me about Jesus. I but I know God, but I can't forgive myself. I know God's forgiving, but I can't forgive myself. Then the the answer is you, then you don't really know that God has forgiven you because in some way you're making yourself bigger than God. Right. You're making yours. Are you trying to make like are are you, do you take sin more seriously than God takes sin? You definitely do not. So there's a disconnect between your appropriation of the grace that's been extended to you, your embracing of it and your experiencing of it. And it's built in, like you quoted Romans 9, in Hebrews 10, 22, it says, let us draw near with a true heart in mm. full assurance with our hearts sprinkled clean from mm. an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So you, if you're struggling with even forgiving yourself it means that you're you're not able to rest in the cleansing of your conscience and the consequence means you're not going to be drawing near to god you're going to be right. going distant from god because you can't take him at his word when he says uh, i have removed your sins as far as the east is from the west right you don't in some sense you don't believe that in some sense and yeah. listen, i'm not i'm not coming down on people that are struggling with this because i've been there as well mm -hmm. listen i've done things that are so bad uh in my past that uh i i, I haven't told jen actually tried to tell her i'm like so like we were dating. you want to share it now well no I'm just what's the I'm statute of limitations i'm totally I gotta look kidding this up. let me google this no i'm Can totally I still go kidding. to jail um but they were like you know because i was trying to be honest with her mm -hmm. and i started going into some of the stuff she goes hey bup, 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 bup. i don't need to know that stuff are you okay i'm like i'm fine i'm you know i've uh, yeah and she's like good all right i don't need to know I'm I'm fine. So well, what uh, a picture of grace though that is. Yeah, no, she's that's awesome. Yeah, she was like, I'm not Jen was the most innocent person I'd ever met in my life. And uh, I was probably the most formally corrupt person uh that she still has ever met. And uh and it was um yeah, it was very different. We were coming from very different experiences in in our our youths, but uh but yeah, she was like, No, I, I don't need to know that. But my point is is like I like that stuff. That stuff that I used to do weighed heavy on me. Mm. And it really, it messed me up for a long time. And it wasn't until I really understood the gospel that I could like let go of it. And not because it wasn't bad and I didn't hurt people and whatever, but it's because I I, I can't do anything about it, but I can walk in repentance and, and walk in newness of life knowing that God has forgiven me. So my conscience is clear, even though I'm not innocent of what I did. Right. And I'm able to move on. Like you said, I'm able mm -hmm. to go forward and not be paralyzed by those things. Well, in a lot of ways too, it, I mean, those are some of the most amazing testimonies. When God saves people who were so bad, you know, like... <laughs> I guess the one that often pops into my head, if if it's if it's true what they say, you know, I think about Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah, being baptized in prison and becoming a Christian before he was killed in prison. I know that's a really, frankly, offensive thought oh, to yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, because you want to kill the sadistic, cannibalistic 
serial killer. You want to yeah, murder that person. Yeah, what he did was awful, yeah. right? Yeah. But I find that incredibly hopeful because, yeah. my gosh, it, it, in our like hierarchy of sin here on earth, if a dude like Jeffrey Dahmer can go to heaven, maybe I can too. You know, that's just kind of, I think it's cool. I hope he is there. You know, I mean, because what a what a testimony to how huge God's grace is. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I th- I think that people struggle with with that because on the one hand you've got a sense of of righteousness, like hey Absolutely. man, evil needs to be taken care of. But you're having a disconnect if you think like, hey, what he did is beyond that. Like, listen. He needs to go to jail. Well, listen, he needs, he needs, he needs the chair or the needle or mm-hmm. the gas chamber or the noose. I believe in capital punishment. Um, if you can absolutely prove that somebody's guilty. Uh, uh, the American government has messed up capital punishment. Too many people go away that have no mm-hmm. business going away. So I don't like the way it's done in America. But if I was in charge, it would still be in play. Anyway, there's this great... So- but my point is, is like, but like, if you think they're out of reach of... If you think a guy like Dahmer is out of reach of God's grace, then I don't think you understand God's grace. Yeah. And I don't even think you understand your own guilt. Mm-hmm. So this may, this reminded me of a Sufjan Stevens song. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not a Sufjan Stevens fan because he's he's a little he's a little too much for me. Okay. But the song, John Wayne Gacy. Are you familiar with this? I'm not familiar with that song. All right. Check this out. He said his father was a drinker. So obviously we know what this is about, right? One of the most infamous serial mm-hmm. killers of all time. His father was a drinker and his mother cried in bed folding John Wayne's t-shirts when the swing set hit his head. The neighbors, they adored him for his humor and his conversation. Look underneath the house there, find the few living things rotting fast in their sleep. This is where Gacy buried bodies mm-hmm. right in his basement. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the dead, 27 people, even more. They were boys with their cars, summer jobs. Oh my God. Oh, are you one of them? He dressed up like a clown for them with his face paint white and red and on his best behavior, in a dark room on the bed, he kissed them all. He'd kill 10,000 people with the slight of his hand, running far, running fast to the dead. He took off all their clothes for them. He put a cloth on their lips, quiet hands, quiet kiss on the mouth. Now, this is dark, disturbing mm. stuff, but it literally makes me want to cry when the last line says, and in my best behavior, I am really just like him. Oh. Look beneath the floorboards for the secrets I have hid. Oh, man. Uh, that's if like, that doesn't hit you right yeah, between the eyes that's, i don't know what would so i mean he's he, yeah. he, he's he's describing the darkness and the the disgusting nature of another you know of a serial killer sins and then says i am no better i haven't done those specific crimes and so there's a sense in which maybe my sins are not as heinous mm-hmm. as his but mm-hmm. i am just as sinful i'm just right. as corrupt and that's why like and if you if you sense the real corruption of your sin this is this can put you in a place where you despair, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't. You, I can't forgive myself. That leads to despair, a kind of Correct, despair. Correct. Yeah. And so, this is why you need the gospel, right? You know, it reminds me too. Paul Tripp often talks about this, and a lot in his devotional New Morning Mercies. But I think probably in a lot of things that he does, he often talks about we're tempted to think our biggest problem is outside of us mm-hmm. when it is actually inside of us. Yeah. And I love that. And that you reading those lyrics reminded me of that, that, yeah, the biggest problem I have is me. Yeah. You know, I am my biggest problem and I need someone from outside to save me. Yeah. You know, and and I think that relates because, uh, again, if we 
if we understand that we are our biggest problem, that we do need someone from the outside that can step in and save us, we can then be in agreement and right. in a sense, mm -hmm. again, quote unquote, forgive ourselves because we are agreeing with God. Like it is finished. It's done. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think that's, that's probably a really good thing to end on because the, the point that you're making is really powerful. Like when, when you forgive yourself, you're not just saying, oh, um, okay, I don't have to deal with my, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. You're saying, no, my sin was so bad. Christ had to die for it. Yes. The son of God had to suffer and die for those specific sins in order for them to be atoned. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would burn in hell forever. So I, yeah, I, I can move on. Christ paid for them. Right. And it took that condescending love, that sort of a sacrifice in order to make things right. So I, it's not that my sins go unpunished. They're punished. Right. But I don't have to answer for them. That's grace. And then so, he says, go and sin no more. Right. right? So now in humility right. and in joy. Exactly. Lift your head and move on. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. All right. There we go. We figured it out. You can forgive yourself. Through Christ. Amen. <laughs> don't, don't, don't condemn yourself after you've been forgiven. Repent and move on. Hey, listen, thanks for listening. We love all of you, all access listeners. You guys are awesome. Thank you for supporting the podcast, allowing us to do things like like this conference coming up in Texas. We're doing a conference on reforming evangelism January 29th. It's going to be a great one-day conference. You can go to our website, doctrineanddevotion.com slash swconference for all of the details. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Tell a friend. Let your people know that uh, this is a podcast worth listening to. Of course, they can listen to it for free on Mondays and Thursdays at doctrineanddevotion.com or of course, they can subscribe and we want them to subscribe on their favorite podcast platform. We have uh, articles at the website and uh, you can find us on social media at Doc and Devo on Instagram or Twitter or even on Facebook, facebook.com slash doctrine and devotion. We'll be hitting you up soon with some more episodes. Jimmy will be back. So uh, pray for a safe return or maybe don't because it'll just be Krista all the time. <laughs> Jimmy's afraid he's going to get no, replaced. No, we want Jimmy back. Okay, I do. I'm just saying, <laughs> if he doesn't come back, the podcast continues on. Later. Later.